0: We've started into a series specifically on prayer. So let me just make sure we're all on the same page. On Sundays in Luke chapter 11, we're gonna break down the pattern of prayer that we see in what we often call the Lord's Prayer. And so if you miss Sunday service, you can go ahead and watch that where we talked about uh, aligning ourselves with God and how the first three portions or petitions that we see in the Lord's Prayer are really about aligning yourself with God and what he wants. Uh, on Wednesday though, it's gonna kind of, kind of be a sub-series. It's another part of Luke chapter 11. And as you read a little bit more, Jesus continues to teach about praying. And in Luke chapter 11, verse 9 through 10, we get this really famous nugget. If you have your Bibles, you might want to uh, look at this or you might want to write this down. Because we're going to spend the next three weeks on these two verses. It says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives The one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. So on Sundays, we're going to do the Lord's Prayer, and on Wednesdays, we're going to do Ask, Seek, and Knock. And today, we're going to focus in on that first action, asking. Now, I think there's two types of people in the world. There are those who ask, and then there are those who ask the person to ask for them. Okay, And often, they end up marrying each other. And so I'm an asker. I'm the one who will go out, I'll ask anybody. I don't care. And my wife will be like, can you order this for me? Can you ask this for me? Tell them I want this. It's like I'm a translator, except we're speaking the same language. And so in this room, let's just be honest. How many of you, you're the one who always has to ask for the family, for your friends, for your people? Okay. How many of you are the one who asked somebody to ask for you? See, you don't even raise your hand because that's how deep into it you are. You're like, raise your hand for me. <laughs> okay? So there's these there's these two types of people. Now the problem oftentimes is, I think we all, even if you are the person who asked, sometimes there are certain situations or certain people that you find it a little bit harder. To ask, right? It's just like, oh, I don't know that person that well, or no, they're you know they're this or they're that. I remember one time I was in Ireland and um, we we were in Northern Ireland and we did this uh, tour and it was one of those like movie set tours and stuff. We didn't see anybody, but as I was sitting in the airport getting ready to go back into the UK, everyone's on their phones, but because I didn't have you know, any signal there. I was just sitting there like a noob, like it was 1992 or something. And so I'm just sitting there watching people and there was like literally a movie star right in front of me and his movie star wife and I realized, I read on Twitter that they had just got married. And so I made eye contact and I was like, hey, congratulations on your wedding. And they were like, oh, thank you. They were super nice and British and all that. So I was like, oh, cool. And then, but nobody else noticed, right? And then after they walked away, people were like, was that so and so? Was that so and so? And everybody was freaking out. And then I was like, should I go like, ask for a picture? And I was like, I don't want to ask for a picture. Like, and then we got into this whole thing. And then my guy was like, you can't ask them for a picture, but don't be that guy. And I was like, I don't want to be that. So long story short, I didn't ask for a picture. And then when I came back and I told everybody, everyone said the same thing. If you don't have a picture, it didn't really happen. I was like, it happened. I was there. I saw the whole thing. But the problem is, because of who they were, I just didn't feel comfortable asking them. I don't know them. I'm sure there's a billion people that are constantly asking them for things. So I hesitated. And asking. That's my point on that. Well, when you look at scripture, the Lord is inviting us to ask. That's what prayer really is to a certain aspect, right? At some point in our prayer, we are asking God something. We are talking to him and there's a request that is often being made or a petition that's being made. Or for one reason or another, I think a lot of us sometimes have difficulty asking God certain things. Sometimes we feel like, uh, well, I don't deserve it or, uh, you know, I'm not in a place where I can ask God. I'm not in a good place spiritually or whatever the case may be. But we oftentimes can struggle with asking God things. And I think sometimes that's why we don't pray because we we just don't want to talk to him in general. We don't want to ask. We we have all these other insecurities, all these other issues, all these other uh, preventative measures that stop us from asking the one who is inviting us to ask. So if you have your Bibles, I want to jump into another portion of Scripture a little bit later in Luke, as, as kind of a crux of what we can teach about today. And in Luke chapter 18, there's a story about a woman who got no problem asking. OK, this lady has no issue with asking. As a matter of fact, she is relentless in her pursuit of asking. And Luke chapter 18, verse one through eight, we hear about a widow who is badgering a judge, or at least this is a story that Jesus is telling us. It says then Jesus told the disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he refused. But finally, he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice, so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that you they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? This idea of, of being persistent and asking it and what you ask for. Um, again, I, I have the my toddlers at home, fasting is a lot harder with toddlers, I realize, because I, they still have to like eat. like and they still have to eat So I'm sitting there making their own like macaroni cheese never looks so good to me right now. And so like I still have to provide that. But the thing I love about my daughters is they have no hesitation asking me for anything. Like they ask for just like can, you know, can I have a pony? it's like, no, like, like they just ask and they're just like, well, why not? Like they'll, they'll have literally food in their hands and ask for something else. And they're like, no, I just made that for you. I'm not going to give you something else. And almost like the judge, there are some times, I'm not going to admit all the time, but there are times if they nag me enough, I'm just like, dude, I don't even care. Yeah, you can have it. Like, you know, can I eat the candy. I know you're not supposed to have candy at midnight, but whatever, like, I'm just tired of you crying. Eat the candy, go to sleep, leave me alone. Apparently they don't go to sleep if you give them candy at midnight. Anyway, I, I, I want to have the same boldness that my daughters have. Part of why they have no hesitation with asking is because they're asking their dad, right? They have hesitation if they were asking you. They don't know you. So if I told them, hey, go ask them if you can have one. She'll hide behind my leg and she'll run away. She's like, no, I'm not asking him. I don't know that person. But the confidence comes in the relationship that they have. And so in the same way, what God is trying to speak to you and I is understanding that, remember we talked about it on Sunday, our father who are in heaven. This is not a stranger. This is not a far off lofty God who doesn't care for you, doesn't like you. This is your heavenly father say, hey, if you need anything, come and talk to me. Any parent knows that. Any parent has probably said that to their children. If you ever need anything, I will give you my life. If that's what you need, I'll give you my kidney. I'll give you my spleen. I'll give you whatever you need because of the relationship that we have because you are my child. And so in the same way, we grow in confidence of asking God simply because of the relationship that we have in him. And so there's a few things that I think are important when it comes to asking that if you're taking notes, you might want to write down. The first one is this. We need to learn to ask with confidence, Ask with confidence. Notice with the parable of the judge, it demonstrates that God is nothing like that judge. Okay, If you read that parable kind of quickly, you would walk away with the assumption that God is painting some weird illustration that we have to beg, beg, beg because he's an unjust God who makes us just continue to beg until he does what we want him to do. Or you get this idea that God will only answer your prayer if you bother him enough. And that's not what the parable is saying. The parable is actually saying the opposite, that God is not that judge. The judge in this scenario, especially in this time, it wouldn't have been a Jewish judge. It would have been a judge appointed by the Roman centurions or the Roman government. And, um, and it would have been an appointed judge who obviously had no relationship with God. But even in this parable, he says he had, he had no relationship with God and he didn't care what people said. So he didn't like people and he didn't like God. He didn't like anybody. And that's the opposite of God. God likes you, right? The judge is unfair while God is fair. The judge had no personal interest in the widow while God loves and cares those who petitioned to him. The judge answered the widow's cry out of self-interest. God loves to bless his people because they're his people. Right? Like there's a major difference between the judge in this parable and the God that we have a relationship with. So when we go to God, we can go with confidence because, like I said, there's a relationship with him. This is my father. This is the one who sent his one and only son to die for my sins. This is the one who opened the door and tore down the veil so that I can have this interaction with him. He went through everything so that I can talk to him. So why not just do it? So I I learned to then ask with confidence as 1 John chapter five says in verse 14 and 15, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, right? What is it? That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. So where's the confidence come from? Well, again, lining up with what we talked about on Sunday, if I'm in alignment with God, with his name, with his kingdom, with his will, if I am in step with what I'm asking is in alignment with God, then I have all the confidence to ask him of that. So for example, if I'm praying, God, would you take care of my children so that when they grow, they will know you and acknowledge you as their Lord and Savior? Would you put a hedge of protection on their hearts and minds and guard them from the enemy's attack so that they can know you as their God? Why would God not want to answer that prayer? And so I can pray that confidently and boldly over my children as they sleep because I know that the one who I'm praying to desires it even more than I do. So that's confidence that you have. And a lot of times I think where we struggle often is in our approach when we pray, Go, God, you know, maybe if you kind of want to, if it's, in, you know, maybe if you have time, and God's like, no, speak up. Okay, you're talking to me. You're not talking to some, some lofty stranger that you just met on the street. And so, again, part of that, and this is where I hope this 21 days of fasting helps, is as we grow in our familiarity with God and reading his word and spending time in prayer and corporate worship, as we continue to draw closer to God, confidence begins to build up. It's like anything else. Like, if you think about, especially, you know, back when maybe we were in high school, uh, I remember the first time I would go to a friend's house, I'd be very, hey, can I sit down? Um, do you mind if I use your washroom? Like, it was always very, you know, proper. But then when they're, like, your best friend, like, you walk in before, then they ain't even got home yet. They're like, where you been? Like, you know, you use their bathroom, you put your feet on their couch, you, you know. If your best friend, if they said, hey, I'm thirsty, you always said, go get something to drink, right? If it's somebody new, it's like, oh, I'll get you something. As you grow in familiarity, you grow in comfortability, you grow in confidence, right? Like, I always felt weird. If somebody just showed up to my house and they threw their feet up on the couch, it's like, oh, we're not... Not cool like that. Like uh, you just go suddenly, like you know. But when someone has that relationship where we're so close, and and there's that confidence of knowing, hey, my house is your house. You do what you got to do. Like I want you to feel comfortable. I want you to have because of the relationship that we have. So maybe some of us struggle in asking God of things simply because we don't have enough confidence in the relationship that we have with them. And I think part of the solution is growing that relationship. And again, understand the hiccup is not on God, it's, it's on you. God's not insecure about you coming to him. God wants you to come and talk to him. I'm just saying part of what prevents us from going as confidently as we like to go is in the, real, in the understanding that maybe we don't have the relationship that we'd like to have. So we continue to be a little bit awkward. Our confidence is not in who we are or what we have done. Our confidence is in who God is and the fact that we have a relationship with him. And as you grow in that confidence, prayer becomes a lot easier. Prayer becomes a lot more comfortable. And I was joking with my wife the other day. She got this thing when we're watching the show, you know how you're binging something and and there's like sometimes at the end of the show, they might give you like a coming for the next episode. She hates those trailers. She's like, no, it's gonna ruin the next episode. Go to the next episode. She doesn't even bother to tell me that in words though. She goes, "Mm -mm." (laughs) mm-mm. And I'm like, can you use words when you speak to me, woman? So you know what I meant. I was like, I know, but I hate that I know what you meant. And sometimes you go, hmm? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Then I have to forward the thing. I, I want to have that level of, I just look up and, and just like, God. God, would you? I want to I have that kind of relationship where God says it to me. Mm. I'm like, yes, Lord, I know exactly what you want me to do. That grows, though, as we have confidence with God. Now, in order to grow in that confidence with God, our prayers, we need to be able to build it up and we need to be able to ask, not just with confidence, but we need to be able to ask with persistence. Okay? What do I mean by persistence? Persistence is that continual effort, that constantly going after it. Our confidence continues to build as our persistence continues to grow. And so too often, uh, you know, our prayer life is, and we'll get into this a little bit more, so I might say this in a few weeks, but I was thinking about it, I was looking at the series and the portion of knocking. Too many of us, we're not knocking, we're playing ding-dong ditch with God. Remember ding-dong ditch? You can't play it anymore because ring cameras, they ruined the whole game. But back in the day, children, back in the day, we used to play this game where you would ring somebody's doorbell and then you would run away. Pastor, there's this game called ding-dong ditch. You still ring somebody's doorbell and you would run away, Right? And you would do this, and, and it, was, it was fun or whatever, and then they wouldn't know who it was. We play ding-dong ditch with God, where we ask and then we go away. And then we never ask again. And there is this persistence that has to grow. Now, this is where I think sometimes we can get confused. Asking with persistence isn't necessarily begging until God changes his mind. But the reality is it might feel like that when God doesn't answer your prayers immediately or in the fashion that you might want it to. So the question inevitably ends up coming up, Well, why doesn't God just answer me? Why does he make me go through these motions? And I think the reality is there is something that happens in the process of persistence that's more necessary for you than it ever is for God. Okay, So God could answer the prayer, but maybe he's preparing you for the answered prayer. And it's in the persistence of prayer that we draw closer to the heart of God. And so God can begin to shape your heart because maybe he answers it and you're not ready to respond to that answer because it's not an answer you like. It's not an answer you want. But as you're persistent in your prayer, God begins to shape your heart so that when you receive that answer, you go, no, that makes sense, God. Not to me, but in, in communion with who you are, I, I understand what you're trying to say. And to so understand that that persistence is what helps you, not necessarily what changes God's mind. God doesn't change his mind, right? God is not a man that he would change his mind. But we have our hearts changed as we are persistent in our prayer life. And sometimes even the nature of your prayer begins to change and you begin to ask things differently as you become more and more persistent. Now, that doesn't mean that if God says no, that you should always keep on that. There are some situations where God's like, the answer is no and leave it alone. But there are other situations where you can ask and you may not get an answer. And that's why we, we've continually said here at Belmont to pray until something happens. And I just want to give a caveat with that until something happens, not until what you want happens. And so when we're praying with persistence, we have to pray until we receive an answer. And if that answer is not something you want, you still have to be willing to accept that answer. But what I believe is that in the time of persistence, God will shape your heart in order to receive and desire the answer that he gives you. Does that make sense with you? Listen, Colossians chapter four, verse two says, be persistent in prayer and keep alert as you pray. Give thanks to God. Again, some of us, we, we asked once or twice and then we just gave up. It would be like, you know, I go to the, to the cops and I'm like, Hey, my, my child is missing. Like, what did you try looking for her? I mean, yeah, I looked in a room and she wasn't there. So I came here (laughs) like, that's it. You only like, if my child was missing, I would tear the house apart. I wouldn't just peek in her room. I don't know if she wasn't in her room. I don't know where she is. I would look everywhere. As a matter of fact, and some of you know the story, when I was missing, I was like three years old and I left the house. My mom couldn't find me anywhere in the house. She didn't just quit because she couldn't find me in the house. She got the whole neighborhood to start looking for me. Now they found me two blocks away at Butera, but that's another story for another day. She didn't just go, well, you know, I asked. He wasn't there. What do you want me to do? And so too many of us, I think this is, part of why God wants us to grow in our persistence of prayer, because I would argue if it's not important enough for you to pray again, why would God answer it the first time? Sometimes it just doesn't matter to you enough yet. And God draws that care out of you, draws that desire out of you as you continue to become more and more persistent. Does that make sense? You know, like if if you bought your kid a gift every time they asked for it, then this is easy. Sometimes you got to draw things out. Sometimes you got to teach them something. Sometimes you got to help them to understand and appreciate what that prayer being answered is going to be. And so it's in our persistence of prayer that things begin to change. For example, I believe persistence is the difference between a wish and a prayer. When we only throw it up one time, that's a wish. Hey, God, help me uh, get that job. I just throw a wish. It's hopeful, maybe. But in this time of fasting, if I'm praying, God, listen, I'm, I'm unsatisfied in where I'm at, and I really believe you're drawing me to something else. Lord, would you begin to open doors? Would you begin to provide divine opportunities? And I'm, I'm praying consistently. Now, here's what happens. When you throw up a wish and it gets answered, you don't ever remember it. Because you don't even remember the last time you prayed that prayer. When you've been persistent, oh, I'm going to remember that. Why? Because I've just spent three years praying for that. And God answered my prayer. You know, my, my dad, on Christmas, he reminded me, your two favorite Christmas friends your whole life were uh, this hockey stick you got. I just loved uh, hockey. And, um, and your Nintendo. I had a, you know old school Nintendo entertainment system. I go, you know why I love that Nintendo so much? Because I prayed for four years for it. By the time y'all got me Nintendo, Super Nintendo had come out. Like, <laughs> like I just prayed so fervently for it. But it mattered to me because of the invested time I had in waiting on it. And sometimes persistent prayer adds value to the prayer answer because it's not just a wish, it's a prayer that you've continually been interceding for. Does that make sense? Third thing is this, we we ask with persistence, right? And we ask with confidence, but we need to make sure that we ask with the right motives, okay? This woman who was badgering the judge was asking for justice, Right? She wanted to be justified. She wanted justice for her situation. We don't know what her situation was, but we understand from the parable that it was for justice. Maybe some of our prayers aren't answered because you're asking them with the wrong motive in mind. You're asking for something that God doesn't want for you. You're asking for something that God doesn't want for you at this time or ever. You're asking for something not to glorify God, but to encourage your own indulgements or your own desires or your own needs that oftentimes are contrary to God's desires. And so like, you know, I can pray till I'm blue in the face for, you know, a giant mansion and Lamborghini and all these other things. And listen, if that's God's desire, I will receive it. God, whatever you want to give me, I will receive that lot in life. But to get mad at God for something that he doesn't desire for me or to get upset with him, like I talked about last week with my basketball game, because we didn't win the championship when I was on the team, doesn't mean that God is an unjust God. What it might mean is that your motives for prayer are wrong. And oftentimes in the pursuit of that persistent prayer, God begins to reveal our motives. God begins to show you, oh, you're not asking that for the right reason. Matter of fact, James chapter 4 says it like this in uh, verse 2 through 3. You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. So, right, we have to be able to ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So, God, I really, I'm, I'm really praying for this relationship, God, that you would make it work out. And God's like, that relationship is not healthy. They're not even a believer. And you want me to sanctify a relationship with an unbeliever that will cost you your relationship with me? Why would I answer that? And so we sit there and we're fighting and we're recording. And listen, I'm not, I'm not talking out my neck here. Uh, I remember I was in, in Excel Youth Ministry as a student. And I had a back and forth relationship with this girl that was not good and was not healthy. And everyone knew it but me. I was the only one that wouldn't see it. And I remember at one point, I was, I was literally at this altar, at an altar call, praying my eyes out, just crying out to the Lord. And the youth pastor comes up to me and he shakes me and he's like getting my attention. And I'm like, this is kind of rude, dude. I'm praying. And he's like, Joey, Joey, look at me. And so I stopped by looking at him. He goes, she's not your wife. Stop praying for that. And I was like... That's rude, again. <laughs> and I wasn't even praying out loud, right? But he was so right. Like, I was so desperate for something that God didn't want for me. And again, thank God he didn't answer that prayer because I absolutely adore my wife. Nothing to do with the other person, but I absolutely adore my wife. And I'm so eternally grateful that what God has for me is so much better than what I want for me. And sometimes good is the enemy of great. And, and we keep praying for something that maybe is good, But God has something great if you're willing to fall in line with Him. And and sometimes, in the aspect of praying, as we continue to pursue and grow in our prayer, God begins to shift and show us your motives aren't pure. The reason you want that doesn't honor me, doesn't justify me, doesn't help our relationship, doesn't grow, doesn't benefit, doesn't add fruit. As a matter of fact, if I answer that prayer, it's gonna hurt you spiritually, it might hurt you emotionally, it might hurt you even physically. I can't give you what you want. And you may not understand it right now, but I'm telling you, hindsight's amazing for your vision, isn't it? And as we, as we talked about earlier and we, and we took a moment to think about all the prayers that God has answered, if we took that same amount of time and thank God for all the prayers he didn't answer, we might have got more hallelujahs. Because some of the greatest things God has done is not answer your prayer simply because the motive behind your prayer was wrong. So does that mean we don't pray? No, obviously not. That means we continue to pray and we allow the Holy Spirit to highlight things in our life that maybe aren't with the right motive and maybe shift that motive a little bit and help us to see things. So you might be praying for this house you're trying to buy and you're like, I really, really want it. It's like, yeah, but it's it's four hours away. And I didn't call you to live there. I called you to live in this community and I called you to go to this church. And again, it's hard for me as a pastor to say that sometimes because it could come across as self-serving. And I want you to be where God's called you to be. Okay, so if, the, if God calls you somewhere else, we're never going to be that kind of church. It's like, well, you don't belong to Jesus if you don't belong to Belmont. Uh, I, I don't want to have that attitude. But at the same time, and pastor can tell you, and a lot of other pastors I've dealt with this can tell you the same thing. Church is so often the last thing considered when somebody's looking for a new house. They're thinking about their school district. They're thinking about their commute to work. They're thinking about the neighborhood, the property value. They have all these other considerations. And then they say, oh, and I'll just find a church somewhere in that area. But do you believe God's called you here for a specific reason? Then until God calls you somewhere else, maybe you shouldn't go. Because so often we've heard people say, oh, it's just not like Belmont. And I can't find out. at was It's like, hey, again, I'd love for you to have a bigger house and a bigger this and a bigger that. But where were you called to be and what were you called to do? Okay, and if that's not what part of what God's called you, why did you make that decision? And so here we are asking God to sanctify something that's not part of his plan for your life. And that's just an example that I'm trying to give you from one angle, but you can give a million different angles for why God may not answer a prayer the way you want it. And again, he'll answer it, but I think first he'll change the motive of your heart. Does that make sense? Pastor Jason, if you can help me out, worship team. So as I was going through all that, I started wondering to myself, how many of us have prayers, desires, needs in our life that are unasked because of some of these issues we talked about? Not that they're not wanted or desired, they're just not lifted up. I think it's interesting that statement of lifting up prayers I think part of the problem is we keep them here. They're in my heart. I want it. And we chalk it up to like, well, God knows the desires of my heart. Uh Uh-huh. God knows the thoughts of your thoughts, too. God knows what you want, but you still need to be able to ask. Last night, my, my kid, she's been having this attitude, my older one. She keeps saying this phrase, who cares? It's really like you want to see me up mad. Like, she's gotten pow-pow a couple of times. Because she's like, who cares? I'm like, say that again. And as she walks away. Who cares? I ran, I I ran up and, like, caught her on the backswing on it. And it's, just like, all oh, angry whatever. And then the other day when we tried to call her out on it, she's like, who fares? I was like, what did you say? Who fares? I'm like, I know what you mean. You're saying the same thing. Sorry, I can see your head nod. Hey, yeah. So she said that last night. She got to pop out for it because I was done with it. And then later on that night, she's like peeking at the side of her door before she goes to bed. And I'm like, what's up? You and mean, my wife's like, you should like, go. Talk to him. And she's like covering her face. And she comes by me and like all sheepish. And I'm like hugging her. And I'm like, alright you going to go to bed? Good night, baby. She goes, all right. And just before she walks away, she stops. I'm sorry that I said, okay and i hugged her and i said i love you thank you for saying that it matters. that must have been hard for her as a three-year-old to say and sometimes it's hard for us to admit things to talk about things to ask for things that we're like god i know i don't deserve it but here's the reality even if you feel like I don't deserve it, I haven't been the best Christian. I haven't like, I totally cheated on my fast today. Like I've been, whatever it doesn't. Listen, don't let that distract you from the reality that God desires to hear from you. So I'm gonna ask you to stand. And, and here's what we're gonna do in a moment. I want to take the next 10, 15 minutes and really linger for, for a while. I want you to think about this. Is there a need or a desire in your life that you haven't prayed about? Like I said, maybe you lack confidence to ask. Maybe you've asked, but it was more of a wish than a prayer, and you've lacked persistence in that. And it's time to resurrect some old prayers that you haven't prayed in a while. Maybe what you prayed for was asked for in the wrong reasons, and God wants to shift your mentality and your motives to show you what he really wants for you. I want to open up the altar. Nothing special or or you know, crazy about this front area that we call the altar. Let me just explain, because I like to do this on Wednesday specifically because I really feel like there's a greater desire for the pursuit of God's presence. Part of what makes the altar so powerful really just means a place of change is it's the boldness in stepping out of your seat and admitting, I'm going before you, God. It, it's a figurative... Um, illustration of a spiritual reality that God I am going to come before you in a literal sense and talk to you and bring up this resurrected need and so a lot of times it takes courage to do that but here's what I've discovered I have never responded to an altar with other believers where I didn't feel encouraged because I was with other believers there's something powerful about the people of God coming together standing alongside each other. And by the way, if you're ever paranoid about somebody listening to your prayer, ain't nobody paying attention to you, except for that rude pastor that interrupted my prayer. He was my pastor. He had a different relationship. But seriously, I'm so focused on God, I'm not listening to you. I'm not worried about you. And even if I am, it's because I care about you, not because I'm nosy about your business. So here's what I'd like you to do. Take a moment, close your eyes for a second, just really think to yourself, Is there a prayer that needs to be prayed tonight that you haven't asked? You know it, God knows it, but you haven't asked it. You've been hesitant. You've lacked confidence. You've struggled. You feel like you're unworthy. You feel like you don't deserve it. You never deserved it. That's why God gives us grace. He gives us what we don't deserve. Is there a prayer that That you prayed one time ago, a while back, but you lack persistence and it's time as the Holy Spirit's been moving, he's been prompting it in your heart to say, hey, it's time to bring this prayer back. Is there motives that God needs to change as you stand in his presence and as you begin to seek his face more than your desires? If you say yes to any of that, if any of that is in your heart, would you bring it before us at this altar? I want to pray with you. I want to pray alongside you. So if you have that right where you're at, would you just begin to make your way? Just step out of your seats. Just a light floor time. Very as light. As very you light. Have it. Just come join us. Just come join us. So yeah, Pablo, you can you, you can, can actually get to this altar. Would you just begin to pray it? Ching, come on, Ching, now is your time to lift it up before the Lord. Yeah. Now is your time to seek. Now is your time to knock. We're not gonna rush. We're going to ask God with boldness. We're going to ask God with assurance of knowing that he desires to hear our heart. Come on, just begin to intercede. Just begin to intercede.